I almost decided to change my message about midweek and my wife reminded me, you know, Brother Nick wouldn't want you to change anything for him. Stick with what God has given you. So that is my plan. Uh, today, it being the uh, last Sunday before Christmas, I thought it would be fitting to ask the question and answer the question using the Bible of why did Jesus come to earth? Usually at Christmas time, we celebrate with some nativity scene and we see Jesus come to earth as a child, as a baby. And to the world, most of the world, at least in the last several years and most years of my child, most people were content with Jesus being a baby as if it had some kind of a redeeming factor to Him being a baby. But it was so much deeper than that and that's what we want to see. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter, nine, chapter 2, verses 9 through 18. <clears throat> there are no side TVs here, so uh, you can take notes and I'll move around through verses pretty quick. So don't think that you have to flip to every single one of them. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 18. If you will, stand for the reading of God's Word. It says, But we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that He for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying i will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation i will sing your praise and again i will put my Trust in Him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise partook of the same things that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that He helps, but He helps the offspring of Abraham." Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You can be seated. Brother Vance, will you pray for us? Continue on just trusting 
you're leading this path. We know you're sovereign, and we're just going to trust. Father, I want to pray for everyone going through this difficult time, especially the King family. As my human side just can't help but hurt because of the time of the year it is. Father, just comfort them, wrap them up in your arms, and just coach them through. And Father, just be with each and every one and bless them through this holiday season. And Father, most of all, thank you. Thank you that you sent your son that someone like me can lift praises to you and it be heard. Father, I pray all these things in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So like I say, we want to answer the question why Jesus came to earth and why he was born. Like I discussed earlier, most people celebrate Christmas in some form or fashion. Most people, probably some that aren't even unbelievers, celebrate Jesus' birth to some form or fashion. They even have some sayings like, Jesus is the reason for the season. You'll hear that come from people that live all sorts of ways. And it's just what we say at Christmas time. Here's a little dry humor. If you want to look in Romans chapter 11 through 36, or 1136, it actually says that from, for from him and through him and to him are all things. So actually, every season, not just this season. God is actually the reason for every season. Some people are content with the idea that Jesus was born and never understand or even bother to understand why. So this morning, like I say, we're going to answer that, answer that question using the Bible. When you look through the Gospels, you see several reasons why Jesus came. He didn't just was born as a baby and then you don't hear from him until 33 years later when he's on a cross. He has a plan that God has set out and that plan is, is taking place in his life. The first reason that we can see is to show us the nature of God, to reveal God to us. How do you, how do you know what an invisible God is like? Look at Jesus. His purpose for coming here was to show us who God was, what He was like, what He thought his reason for coming here was to show us true obedience to the Father as an example on how we should live our life. Another reason was to testify or to bear witness to the truth. Not just any truth. Man is full of opinion, aren't we? Give us a subject and we can tell you something about it real quick. And our opinions usually don't align with one another. We can agree on some things, but how does man, sinful man's opinion align with God's truth? Not very well. We see in John 18, verse 37, Jesus is on trial at this time and he stands before Pilate and his life is in, it hangs in the balance. And Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. 
For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This was the reason, one of the reasons he came. The world does not make this truth. This is an absolute unchanging truth that only comes from God, and it's the same truth for you as it is for me. When you look across the world today especially, how much unchanging truth do you see? I would tell you to turn on the news, but that's the worst place you could get information from. But you can see from one day to the next, it's never the same. It's back and forth and back and forth. God's truth never changes. So if Jesus is testifying to the truth, the best way to hear any testimony is to do what? Listen. Listen to it. Look at it. The best place to find that happens to be the Bible. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us the story of Jesus' life. <coughs> if you want to know what He thought, what He did while He was here, go to the Gospels. So He came to reveal God. He came to testify and witness to the truth of God. He also came to fulfill the law. He came to heal the sick. He came to perform many other miracles, and the list just keeps going on and on. As a matter of fact, John wrote at the very end of his gospel, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. <clears throat> Jesus did a lot. But John was very selective in his writing. If he would have been exhausted, exhaustive in his writing, we wouldn't be able to hold all these books. It would be way too much. All of the things that Jesus said and He did on earth were of the utmost importance. They're all profitable for us to know. And they show us God, who God is. They show Jesus' obedience to the Father the words and deeds that He did are words and deeds that we should live by and they should be instructions for our life to be pleasing to God. But if all He did was show us God and what God expects, we'd only see how far we fall short of the glory of God. And we are just left in despair. Some facts that most people probably know about Jesus. He was born of a virgin mother named Mary. He lived a sinless life and a life pleasing to the Father, being tempted to the extremes that we won't even be able to imagine. He was doubted and He was hated by many. He wasn't what the Jews expected to see come. Not in flesh. They weren't, weren't expecting somebody to be as such a poor status, such a homely appearance as what Jesus was. Like I said, most of these things that He did were for a purpose, but His primary purpose for coming here was He was born to die. His death was not some unplanned tragedy. He entered this world as a baby 
so he could die as a man. God made his body to die, but his death was not without a purpose. As we look in verse 9 of our text today, it says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for every, everyone. You see that? Only by the grace of God. You didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's only by the grace of God Jesus came. And don't miss the fact that it says, for a little while He was made lower than the angels. He who was greater than the angels was made lower than the angels on our behalf that He might taste. I'm going to try to pronounce this Greek word and no other Greek word because the rest of them are way too hard. But this Greek word... Taste means gusata. It means to experience. So we see Jesus was crowned with glory because of the, because of the suffering of death so He might experience death for everyone. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He... God the Father made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was made our substitute. 1 Timothy 2, 5-6 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and, and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus willingly gave Himself. He not only paid our ransom, but He became the object of God's wrath. Do you realize how big that is? The object of God's wrath. God's wrath towards us was poured out on Jesus. He paid our total penalty. Just to put it simple, if we don't have a substitute who pays our penalty in full, guess who pays it? We do. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Without this free gift, we pay the price of eternal death in hell. We must have a substitution, and by God's grace we do. Verse 10, For it was fitting that He, the Father, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus became our founder of salvation. Founder, the uh, Greek word for it means, or in other versions says pioneer maybe in, in some other versions you have. It means author. It means originator, chief leader, a trailblazer. Think of it in that mindset. It says in the text it was fitting. It was right. It was pleasing to God 
for Jesus, our founder, our trailblazer, to lead us, the sons, to His presence. Jesus paved the way, blazed the trail to God through His suffering. Through Jesus' death, we have a substitute and a perfect leader. His, His death opened the path for us that was never there. Jesus says in John 14, 5 through 6, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. And I am the life. And I am the truth. And no one comes to the Father except through me. How do you get to the Father? One way, Jesus. And he paved the way. Verses 11 through 13 in our text. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, and I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of the children God has given me. What does it mean to be sanctified? Set apart. Set apart or made holy. How many of y'all feel holy in here today? If you're born again, you are holy. Now, <laughs> this is where application comes in from this verse. If Christ makes us holy and we are positionally holy, practically, how do we act? We have to ask ourselves this. If you are holy, do you act holy? So Jesus has become our sanctifier. If you are born again, you are holy. In Jesus' death, He took your sin and gave you His righteousness. Do you see that exchange there? He took your sin and gave you His righteousness. He made you holy. He who was holy made you holy. In Hebrews chapter 10, Verses 10, this thing is about to flip over on me. Chapter 10, verse 10. It says, And by that will, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. Can you lose your holiness? You cannot. You cannot lose your holiness. And then moving on down in chapter 14. I mean, uh, verse 14. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all, all time those who are being sanctified. For all time. Forever and ever and ever. As you move on down in our text, you'll see that it says, this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus calls us his brothers. 
We are children of God and Jesus calls us His brothers. Romans 8, verses 12 through 17, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Not only are we called brothers, but we are heirs. Those who were enemies of God are now called heirs with Christ. Does that excite you? That blows my mind. How, how can it be? Me, an enemy of God, now had the righteousness and the holiness of Christ placed on me. And I'm an heir with Christ. That's amazing. And the proof is in the suffering. You want proof? Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. You know, it's also important to note when you see Jesus' life, you see the way He talked to His followers. When did He start calling them brothers? Was it to begin with? It was not. It was not until after He had died and was resurrected that He started calling them brothers. And the reason why is because they couldn't be His brothers until He paved that way to the Father. They couldn't be His brothers in their sin condition. Their sins were not covered. Thank God we have a way to the Father now. And we are, we are brothers and we are heirs. Verses 14 through 15 in our text. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, He Himself likewise partook of the same things that through death He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through, the fi through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That word share in the Greek means to have fellowship or partnership with something. Our nature is flesh and blood. We all, we all have this in common. Every one of us. But when you look at the word partook, since therefore the, the children share in the flesh and blood, He Himself likewise partook of the same thing. Jesus partook, partook of the same things. In the Greek there, that's not the same word as share. It actually means to take hold, hold of something that's not naturally one's own kind. So we by nature are flesh and blood and Christ is not. 
So you pay attention to this exchange here. He added our nature to himself so that he might die in our place and we might take on his divine nature that never belonged to us. Is that grace? That's amazing grace right there. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, it says, His divine power has granted us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desire. We see that through His death and resurrection, He has conquered Satan. Satan's only power is death. And if Jesus defeats Satan, that means he has defeated death. And guess what? If he has defeated death, then we have to because of him. Satan has the weapon of death, but God has the weapon of eternal life. To the unbeliever, death is the most terrifying thing that they can think of. And it's mainly because it's so much unknown after that. And they're scared to death to die. You don't believe me? Look at last year and this year. It, it has shown itself more than ever. And I'm not saying that, that the virus is not real. And I'm not saying it's not to be feared if you have some kind of a health condition. But people are literally scared for their life. Some people wear 10 masks and, and sneak through Walmart and at the least hours of the day with the lowest amount of people that have nothing wrong with them at all, but they're scared. Why is that? Why is that? They have no hope. They have no faith in, 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 in the things to come. They only know that after this, it's, it's just unknown and I'm scared of it. But to the believer, we can agree with Paul whenever he says in 1 Corinthians 15, when perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal parts put on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death has no victory over God's children through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world to be our substitution. He came into the world to be our founder of salvation, our trailblazer. Jesus came into the world to be the one who makes us holy. He came into the world to be the one who conquers death. Verse 16, 
For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He didn't come to redeem angels. He came to redeem man. He didn't come to save angels. He came to save man. Verses 17 through 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to, make the, able to help those who are being tempted. The only way, the only way that he can sympathize with us is if he has been like us. You know, when somebody goes through a situation and you've never been through that situation, but you show them empathy because you don't know how they feel but you feel bad for them, so you want to be there for them. If I have been through that situation myself, and then you go through that situation, I can sympathize with you because I know exactly how you feel. That's who we have in Jesus. We have a great high priest who can sympathize with us because He has been where we are at. He did not sin, but He has been tempted just like we have been tempted, even way past the point of that. That's who I want to sympathize with me. That's who I want to stand by the Father and say, I know what they are going through. He came to sympathize with us and He came to be here with us or be, be standing for us in our time of need. I have been through more things than I can count and I don't know how I would have got through those things if it hadn't have been for my great high priest. All the temptations that I have been through I don't know how I would have made, him through, made it through them without Him. Before I close, um, there's a, I guess you'd call it like a devotional, an Advent devotional that John Piper has done. We posted it on our uh, website a few years back and then on Facebook. And I didn't even plan this and I, I started reading it a few days ago. I'd actually forgot about it, just completely distracted with everything going on around. So I read, I read day 19 and I thought, what, is, what does it say? The verse for day, day 19 is actually Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15 that we just went over. It says, Christmas is for freedom. Jesus became man because what was needed was the death of a man who was more than a man. The incarnation was God's locking Himself into death row. 
Christ did not risk death. He chose death. He embraced it. That is precisely why He came, not to be served, but to serve. And to give His life a ransom for many. No wonder Satan tried to turn Jesus from the cross in the wilderness and in the mouth of, and in the mouth of Peter. The cross was Satan's destruction. How did Jesus destroy him? Hebrews 2.14 says that Satan has the power of death. That means Satan has the ability to make death fearful. The power of death is the power that holds men in bondage. This thing has done jumped 85 pages back. Give me one second. The power of death is the power that holds men in bondage through the fear of death. It is the power to keep men in sin so death comes as a dreadful thing. But Jesus stripped Satan of his power. He disarmed him. He molded a breast breastplate of righteousness for us that makes us immune to the devil's condemnation. How did he do this? By his death, Jesus wiped all of our sins. And a person without sin cannot be condemned by Satan. Forgiven, we are finally indestructible. Satan's plan was to destroy God, destroy God's rule by condemning God's followers in God's own courtroom. But now in Christ, there is no condemnation. Satan's treason is aborted. His comic treachery is foiled. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. The cross has run, has run him through and he will gasp his, his last before long. Christmas is for freedom, freedom from the fear of death. Jesus took our nature in Bethlehem to die our death in Jerusalem. All that we might be fearless in our city today. Yes, fearless because of the biggest threat to our joy is gone. Then why should we fret over the little ones? How can we say, really, well, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm afraid to lose my job. No, no, think. If death, I said death, no pulse, cold, gone, is no longer a fear, we're free. Really free. We are free to take any risk under the sun for Christ and for love. No more enslavement to anxiety. If the sun has set you free, you shall be free indeed. In closing, why did Jesus come to earth? When you look at the life of Jesus that's found in the Gospels, you see He left His home with the Father to become lower than the angels for a little while. He who was greater than the angels became lower than the angels for a little while so that He could sympathize with our weaknesses, so He could live a life of obedience to the Father and after 33 years, die on a cross and resurrect three days later so that undeserving sinners could have a substitute for their payment of sin towards a holy God and, become a, and He become the object of God's wrath in our place 
so that we could have a trailblazer back to the Father and we have found our author of salvation so we can have a sanctifier, one who makes us holy so that he could conquer death in the power of Satan. We have a perfect Savior. That's what, why we celebrate His birth in this season. Jesus came to die, and we have a perfect Savior. And I hope everybody can see that this morning. If you don't know Him as your Savior, this is your invitation.